Shaloma. You're listening to Watered Womanhood, the podcast for women walking in the truth of who Yahuwah, the Most High, says we are, where we uncover what it means to be His bride. I'm Rabbi Shah Aloha Lani, founder of the Hebrew Housewife, a set-apart homemaking blog for the daughters of Israel. I've been studying the Word all my life and ministering to Israelite sisters since 2019 by the grace of Abinawa with original homemaking tips, biblical marital advisory, and truth-based devotionals. Join me in building up the kingdom at Watered Womanhood on Instagram, thehebrewhousewife.com, and right here as we fellowship in spirit and in truth. A theme that I have witnessed occur over and over not just in this truth, but in life, in media, in passing from men, from women, from children, is that womanhood is some type of curse. In Genesis, we see that woman is in fact the first person to sin. Woman is the recipient of a lifelong bodily curse that she will never escape, of course, until the kingdom comes. Um, Women are subject to permanent servitude to men. Women's authority is relegated to the order of her home, and any authority outside of that is not one over the church or the body, but within the inner workings of said church or body or assembly. Some of the ideologies that have certain people convinced that womanhood is accursed include the pain with which we bear children, our monthly menstrual cycles, our fragility and dependence upon masculinity, the way we're silenced, and the reality that we do in fact live in a global patriarchy. Male entities and females who despise being female alike both speak of womanhood as if it's some burden that only the most unlucky, unfavored, most despised entity in the universe would have to bear. Oh, to serve a man. Oh, to bleed monthly. Oh, to not have the strength or speed or agility as a hunter-gatherer half of our species. Oh, to have to cover up the same body parts that a man can have on display in broad daylight on the public square. As if femininity and womanhood and femaleness is something that we should be ashamed of. And it's the very crux of the very disease of our existence, which we should be continually seeking to escape. The truth is that we are servants of men and not just men, but humanity. We do have a lot of pain. The truth is that we are deeply misunderstood and tragically silent sufferers. We do struggle with thorough sisterhood, and we do not unfortunately live the entirety of our lives in perfect peace and appreciation of our bodies due to beauty standards or cultural expectations. We are the number one consumers. Most ads, markets, and job openings are in fact directed towards us, even down to the way most grocery stores place the clothing and household goods right near the entrance. Hello, Walmart. It may appear, in fact, that we are the chattel half of our race, born to keep economies going. This is a hard pill to swallow, one that very few women swallow and even fewer embrace and even fewer know how to maximize for the ultimate benefits, right? Because just as there are benefits to being a man, there are benefits to being a woman. In fact, one of the biggest evidences of a woman who does not accept her womanhood is her being a feminist. 
Now, when I say feminist, I'm not talking about the women who are fighting for young girls who bleed to death in menstrual huts alone because of period stigma in their cultures. Nor am I talking about the women who are fighting to get longer maternity leave in the corporate world because a month is hardly enough time to recover from birth, let alone adjust to having an entire new soul and entity in need of your constant care. When I say feminist, I'm talking about women in direct rebellion to and with hatred towards the Most High's word and will for women. Feminists who rebel against marriage, modesty, discipline, faith, servitude, and worst of all, motherhood, the greatest sacrifice that a woman will ever make. Women who believe abortion is a human right or public indecency is a human right or that men should be subject to women. Feminists who use feminism as a guise for their co covert belief that females are superior to males and that all males are intrinsically inclined to evil. Women who think submission is the worst thing that could ever happen to a woman and that a woman will truly never be free unless her entire life is one big rebellion against man, against the system, against purity, against the patriarchy, and in reality against God. Contrary to the ideas of the whore of Babylon, I would like to offer the truth of the bride of Yahuwah. Womanhood is not a curse. Womanhood is a gift to mankind. In fact, the Most High says in Genesis chapter two, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a help me like unto himself. The significance of this verse for me personally is that first of all, the Most High created the heavens, the earth, the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field and the crawlers on the ground and everything was good to him according to his own words but when he observed the loneliness of man he said it is not good therefore a woman helps a man become very good i love that the whore of babylon tells us that women are nothing more than man's slave but the word tells us quite literally that women are a gift and a good woman's price is far above all riches all wealth all treasure far more than rubies and silver and gold a woman gave birth to the entire planet. A woman gave birth to our savior, <laughs> Yahusha. It was women who stuck by his side while his disciples and friends abandoned him, denied him and sold him out. It was women who nurtured him. Women are capable and strong, perhaps not in the same way that men have capacity and strength, but we need to understand the gifts that the most high has given us may be different from that of men's, but our gifts still have the same value. We're equal opposites. Manhood is no more a blessing than womanhood is a blessing. To dwell in the house of Yahuwah, male or female, is a blessing beyond measure, regardless. A gracious woman gets honor, but she who hates virtue shall be covered in shame. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 16 from the New Revised Standard Version because I like the way it words this verse. Some verses say that, you know, a kind woman gets respect, but greedy men get riches. Either way, no matter which translation you read, the truth is plain and simple. Grace, compassion, and all the beautiful strengths of womanhood will actually earn us the respect that we try so hard to get by doing things in a masculine way. 
No wonder the average woman is ashamed, bitter, afraid, and very hard. She doesn't know the power of being a woman. She doesn't know that respect and honor is hers, but can only come when she embraces the role she's been given, not rebel against it. But women will be preserved through the pain and dangers of the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control and discretion. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. The word makes it very plain and clear that often the very things that we run from as women and that other women encourage us to stray away from are the very things and places in which we find true salvation. The things the world says makes women cursed are the very things which draw us closer to our father. One time um, under an Instagram post, questioning when is the appropriate time for a woman to get married or when do women want to get married and have children, um, I looked under the comments to my surprise and in retrospect, I should not have been surprised to be honest. Plenty of women were saying they wanted to wait well until their late 20s and early 30s, sometimes mid 30s to late 30s before they're thinking about marriage or children. (laughs) And one young lady commented and I'll quote partially. I'm going to wait as long as I can before I have children. I will not spend my best years changing diapers and cleaning a house. To think a woman in the 21st century has no shame in admitting to the entire world that she is refusing to give her very best to children that she doesn't even have yet, that she's reserving her best for the world that her children will receive whatever is left of her when she's done using what she's got to get what she wants instead of using that which she's been gifted to serve the most high. Now, that's not to say that I don't understand her position or that I'm judging her because it's not hard to understand why most young ladies veer away from getting married young and being what they perceived as trapped with children, right? Because Most young women do feel as though children are just another weight because they're expensive, they require time, and they require so much personal growth. We do live in a culture in which a woman's womb is almost some type of determinant of her fate as well. If she has too many kids, no man will want her. If she doesn't have any kids, then she'll appear barren and then no man will want her. If you wait too long to do either, she'll be past childbearing age and no man will want her. Women have tough decisions to make. There's no doubt about that. But Yahusha offers us an interesting place of rest. And I'll read from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I shall give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble in heart. You shall find rest for your beings, for my yoke is gentle and my burden is light. I'll now read from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And it came to be as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Miriam, who also sat at the feet of Yahusha and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and coming up. She said, Master, are you not concerned that my sister has left me to serve alone? Speak to her then to help me. And Yahusha answering said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many matters, 
but one only is necessary, and Maryam has chosen the good portion, which shall not be taken away from her. Our life, our being, our purpose, and our value is not in our servitude, our bondage, or how well we participate in this idealization of female enslavement to male. He, Yahusha, tells us that we can come to him when we're burdened and he will give us rest. He says we can take up his yoke and learn from him. He says we will find rest for our beings. His yoke is gentle and his burden is light. We have to remember as women, we're not doing the work of the world and carrying the burden of the world. Our work is to fear God, keep the commandments, love our neighbor, love our homes, love ourselves, love our husbands, that is the law. Even with Martha and her sister, Mary or Miriam, we see that it isn't the woman who's making sure that the couch pillows are perfect or that the dinner is just right, that the ice isn't melting in the drinks. That's not the woman that's chosen the good thing, according to Yahusha. Being a good host is important, right? Servitude is valuable, but that's not the good thing with a capital G. Miriam sat down, closed her mouth, opened her ears, and opened her heart to her Lord and she received something that no one else could give her, that she couldn't give herself, and that she simply could not learn from him through service. She had to give her undivided attention. The good thing is a gift from the Lord that is available when we come to him with our entire being. Dear sister, and yes, I am asking for myself, do you struggle with viewing womanhood as a curse? Do you love being a woman? Do you find value in soft power? Or, and be honest, would you rather be a man? And if you do, do you see how this impacts your femininity? Just something for you to dwell upon this week as you pray, read, fellowship, and seek the most high for renewal. I'll say this. There was once a time that I despised being a woman and not in the sense that I didn't love my body or that I didn't appreciate my role and the benefits of being a woman, right? Because we all love the benefits, right? The pretty privilege and the chivalry and, you know, the traditional roles when they do benefit us. No, that's not the way I despise being a woman. I didn't understand the value of the calling the Most High gives to women to be silent, loving nurturers. I did not value silence and I insisted on being heard every chance I got. This really impacted my relationships, especially with other men, right? My father, my husband, and brothers in general. I did not know my place. I didn't want to be in my place and I would rebel if anyone tried to put me there. But what I did learn is that sometimes silence is the key to saving relationships regardless of if you're right or wrong, especially when it comes to our leaders, our men, our brothers. The harsh reality is that, yeah, sure, my opinion may be right, or my opinion may be good, or my opinion may be factual, but will sharing my opinion enrich this relationship? Will it make me a better servant? Will it increase the peace in my home, in my environment? No, it doesn't. Perhaps we should all try to be a little more silent and loving. After all, Sirach chapter 26 does say, 
A silent and loving woman is a gift of the Lord. So as you pray, read, and have a few moments of silence this week, I'm inviting you to ask the Most High in that silence to help you appreciate the gifts, the blessing, the peace, and the rest of being a woman and being a feminine woman according to what he desires for his bride. Hallelujah. That is all for today's episode of Watered Womanhood. I hope you've been watered. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Be sure to follow, favorite, and leave a review wherever you're listening to make this podcast even more accessible. Remember, you can stay up to date and join us for more interesting dialogues at medium.com forward slash watered womanhood and contact me at the info in the description. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15. Shabbat Shalom.